Welcome to The Third Rail Entrepreneur, a podcast about enrichment. Enrichment of your mind, your relationships, your body, and ultimately your business via the entrepreneurial path. My name is Alistair MacDonald. Let's get started. In the fall of 1995, I was in a bit of a predicament. I was on a remote spot of the lower Zambezi River, somewhere between the little town of Churundu and the even more remote takeout spot of Kanyemba. Sitting in a spot on the peak, the northern pinnacle of Zimbabwe, is a beautiful, beautiful area called Mana Pools. Mana Pools is one of the most spectacular sites on the African continent, not only for its wilderness and landscape, but the inherent danger and remoteness of its situation. So at the time, I was sitting in a canoe, a canoe loaded with about 250 pounds of uh, equipment, food, supplies. And in the front of that was a person, a paying client of mine on a lower Zambezi River canoe safari. So as I sat in the canoe, I'm fast forwarding through several experiences. I had a significant hole in the bottom of my boat, somewhere in the order of probably eight, seven to, six to eight inches across, and the water was coming in at quite a, quite a rate. Now, if I described that to you and asked you what my problem was, you would say to me, well, you've got a hole in your canoe. And if I asked you what a solution would be, you, you would say you should bail the water or plug the hole. Now, those are certainly problems, but they weren't my primary problem. My primary problem was that my canoe was being thrown back and forth and almost tipping over because it had a hippo underneath it. Hippopotamus kill more people on the continent of Africa than any other animal with the exception of mosquitoes. This hippo had attacked my canoe. This was the third time that I've been attacked by hippos, so... <laughs> used to talk to old guiding friends of mine, and non-guiding friends would say, oh, you're so lucky. That's amazing. You've survived three hippo attacks. But my guiding friends said, not only are you unlucky, but you must be the worst river guide <laughs> in the, on the continent, that I've managed to pull off three successive attacks in just the space of about four or five years. So there was a hippo under the canoe and a North American client sitting in the front of it. And this hippo was attacking us. So now with a little more context, it's not just that I was in a remote area. It's not just that I was remote in a canoe. It's not just that I was remote in, in a canoe with 250 pounds of equipment, two people, and a hole. Not just that water was coming into that hole and the canoe was sinking. The real problem was the hippo. The hippo that was about eight inches under my feet, continuously thrashing around and smashing at the canoe. The hole was created by its tusks, which smashed up through the fiberglass shell, burst right between my feet in broad daylight. So as we look at context, and as we zoom in or zoom out on our circumstances, we tend to see very different problems depending on where we are. It's for this reason I've always loved and gravitated toward the concept of parallax, that displacement of an object according to the naked eye, what you see depends on where you stand. So 
Dialing back even further, it wasn't just that I was being attacked by a hippo in the middle of broad daylight whose tusks had smashed through my boat, but that I had moved into an old, crusty bull hippo's territory. That was my problem, and I needed to get away from this hippo and away from his territory before I could even begin to think about patching this canoe and bailing the water in that order. What I want to share with you here today is a concept that, if you truly drill into it, will be revelatory for you with all of the problems that you have and the problems that you think you have. Now, you don't just do this in your business. You do it in your home life. You do it with friends and family. You do it with your exercise routines. You do it with your diet. No matter what domain you live in, you make this mistake. And I want to share a concept that might ideally help you unlock it. Done correctly, you will discover, as I have, that this can be one of the most valuable insights we can bring to bear on our tough situations and complicated problems. So let's change the scenario. Imagine that you go to the dentist and you say to the dentist, I've got a problem, I'm in pain, and it's this tooth right here pointing through my cheek, and I need you to take it out. Now, what I've done there is subtle, and it's lost to all of us except the dentist. The dentist then looks into your mouth and says, well, actually, it's not that tooth, it's this one right here, and I can save it. Now, what you, the patient, the person experiencing or creating the problem have done is you have diagnosed and prescribed an incorrect solution. When your diagnosis is incorrect, the solution will never help. So what you've done in that example is you've decided that because you own the mouth, you own the tooth, and the pain is uniquely yours to experience, that you are qualified to say this is the tooth, and furthermore, you're qualified enough to say, and this is the solution. But you're not qualified at all about diagnosis and prescription. The only thing you are qualified to talk about is your experience, which is, in this case, pain. Now, as I say, the dentist is not going to just take your word for it and say, okay, I'm going to, first of all, take that tooth that you've pointed out, and I'm going to pull it out. The doctor, the dentist in this example, is never going to mistake your diagnosis for a qualified diagnosis. They certainly are not going to act on it with your prescription. So in this case, they discover that it's actually an adjacent tooth or something sitting slightly to the left or right or behind or in front or above, and that they can save it. And the pain that you're feeling is what's often referred to in medicine as referred pain. The injury is here. The pain shows up there. Again, simple enough example. All of us have mouths and teeth, at least most of us. Some of them are even our own teeth. <laughs> but when we jump into the area of solving our own problems, we routinely make the mistake of misdiagnosing their actual cause. My problem on the river that day wasn't that I had a hole in the canoe. That was a problem, but it wasn't the problem. The problem was that I was about 60 feet away from the bank, and the only way to get to the bank was through crocodile-infested waters. Now, there were some ballast chambers in the canoe, and it probably wouldn't have sunk entirely. And sure enough, I was able to get out of the situation. As, uh, spoiler alert, I lived. So obviously I made it. That next part, I'll spare you the, 
the adventure of, and an adventure it was just getting to land. Nonetheless, we do this ourselves. We do this in our business, our relationships, and our habits across the board. So let me share another example with you. I have a client and friend who owns a SaaS company. You may know the term SaaS, S-A-A-S, software as a service. You can remember back to Microsoft's early days when you would pay $300 and get a CD-ROM in the mail. And with that, you would install it onto your desktop computer, and that was how you accessed the tools and so forth, the software. Of course, software companies realize that getting $50 or $20 a month in perpetuity is a lot more valuable than a $300 upfront charge. So software became a service. It went from a product to a service, and this particular client and friend works with a company like this. So they have a sales problem. They have a beautiful tool. It specifically deals with the medical field. It handles everything from doctor's records to patient flow to calendars to point-of-sale data and abilities, capabilities, and so forth. Now, But they have a sales problem. They're struggling to find subscribers or new clients. Maybe this is familiar to you. I was in a conversation recently with another professional who's having exactly this problem, only they're in the service business, not in the SaaS business. So lack of sales is super common. And this is a classic, classic trap for us as entrepreneurs to make this mistake of misdiagnosing and misprescribing. This problem of lack of sales is then brought to, let's say, and now I'm just using my imagination. We're going to suddenly transport ourselves to the board and we're sitting at the board of directors or the various departments and we're having a conversation about what we can do to change and increase sales. The engineer says, well, we've got a download speed problem. We need to speed up our downloads. The aesthetic designer says, no, we need to change from a dark blue to a pale blue on our home screen. Someone else says, well, no, actually, I'm getting a lot of pushback from current clients that we need an inventory tool or a better inventory tool. Maybe we need a way to track users a little more accurately. None of these are solving the sales issue. The lack of sales is not due to issues internally, like color, layout, download speed, enhanced tools. Those are only issues for those people that are already using the tool. That is a completely, completely misdiagnosed problem and consequently fairly worthless solutions. Now, those would be solutions to subscribers that are canceling, but it is not the problem for upfront sales. So the software company decides, based on this brain's trust that gathers around the table, that we need a 2.0. That's what we need. And we'll do all of these things, and we'll give it a couple months, and we'll roll it out and just knock the socks off our subscribers. Well, it's the lack of subscribers that is the problem. Now, if it's actual sales, which in this case it is, here's just a short list of problems that it could be. The lack of sales is a symptom. It is not the problem. Here's a short list. It could be poor salespeople. It could be a lack of visibility. Bad messaging, maybe a confused messaging. Potential users are not necessarily clear about how it helps solve their problems. So bad messaging, confusing messaging. It could be priced badly. It could be priced too expensive, too high. It could be priced too low. There could be a lack of any sort of competitive advantage. 
Maybe it's an issue with lead conversion. Maybe it's an issue with lead generation. Maybe it's a lack of testimonials. Maybe it's a bad or wrong communication and sales channels. Wrong channels. You're trying to sell software through mailers. Maybe that's your problem. Or maybe the other way around. Maybe you've misidentified your target market. Or, and most commonly, you have an undifferentiated product or service. Now, these are just a simple list off the top of my head of actual diagnoses of the problem of lack of sales. You can see automatically that if it is, in fact, a messaging problem, then the solution, the prescription, is very, very different. I see this all the time. There's a certain field that I do a fair amount of consulting in right now. It actually is a little over 50% of my private client base. And new patients is a constant issue for them. Everybody's trying to figure out the holy grail. I need more new patients. So what do I do? I hire a social media expert. They have paid no attention to any one of these thousand possible reasons that they could be struggling. They're not treating this as a symptom. They're treating it as the problem. And that is the real problem. Now, what do you do? Well, there's a specific matrix that I will walk you through in the next episode of how exactly to truly diagnose and separate your symptoms from your problems and what exactly to do to get down to the true, largest, highest probability problem. Then we can move forward with solutions. That's next. That's it for this episode. Thanks for being here. Hey, there's only two things that you have in your life, your time and your attention that you've given both to me for these few minutes of today means everything. Cheers.